Welcome back to Jets at Noon. I'm Tyson Rowicki filling in for Cam Poitras. And I believe joining me from an undisclosed location, Jim Toth. Do we have Jim Toth on the line? Hello. Oh, Jim, how are we doing today? I hear that there's a little bit of a, not a kerfuffle, but a kind of a mishap going on at the Toth household. Uh, <laughs> yeah, technology alludes to the Toth household on several <laughs> times. But yeah, I am uh, broadcasting from home today. So I appreciate it that it did work through. We'll figure it out and we're good to go. Uh, happy Jets at noon, man. Oh, absolutely. And you know, that's that's the radio business. We're just going to we'll, we'll figure it out. But uh, before we talk Jets, I do want to mention I think it's best that we mention that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have traded quarterback Drew Brown to the Ottawa Red Blacks. Jim, just a quick, quick reaction on that. Yeah, I'm not surprised at all. I, I'm. It's good that I think he was heading into free agency, and I, I think that he was gonna. He wanted to be the chance to to, to be a starter, and Andrew wasn't going to get that here. He was going to be the backup. So I think it's optimal for both teams. I think Ottawa he'll vie for the starting position with Mazzoli there, and uh, the the Bombers get a fifth round pick for him. So he's going to get some more money anyway in free agency, and then he wanted the chance to. Or was get, he's going to be a free agent, and he wants a chance to compete for a starter job with Zach Claros here. It just wasn't going to work out. So I, I think it's a good deal. Ottawa benefits from giving Drew Brown, who has the potential to be a starter, and the Bombers get a fifth round pick for uh, somebody they were likely uh, going to lose anyway. Yeah, I know. It's great to see him finally get that chance to be a full-time starter in the league. And it's nice that it's not in the, the Western Conference for the, for the Bombers. So that's a nice added touch. But speaking, right. of, speaking of trades, we're approaching the NHL trade deadline. Only a little over a month away from the deadline. And I don't know about you, Jim, but the deadline kind of reminds me a little bit of New Year's Eve. Every year, I get a little too excited, get a little too hyped up. And the day comes and it just doesn't quite meet my expectations. But with the Jets in the spot they're in right now, I mean, who knows? Maybe like New Year's Eve, we see a little bit of fireworks at the deadline. And uh, yeah, joining. Oh, yeah, oh, totally. Sorry. I was just going <laughs> to say, yeah, it's interesting this season because I usually am pretty tempered at, at the trade deadline, um, understanding how all the fever and excitement gets going. I, but I didn't last year. Last year, I got a little excited. I thought there would be four major pieces leaving after this season. I, I didn't see the re-signing of Hellebuck and Shifley, so I kind of thought they should have gone all in a little bit last year, and they didn't. And clearly it was the right thing to do. But with the position of the team this year, I'm fascinated by, by not only what they may do, but also the price they may be willing to pay. And joining us to talk about what may happen for the Winnipeg Jets and some potential tr- trade targets, he covers the Jets for the Athletic. He's a contributor right here on 680 CJOB on the pregame show with Kelly Moore and Derek Taylor sometimes. And he's also just one of the nicest dudes in hockey, Marat Atesh. Marat, how are we doing today? Tyson, what an intro. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, no, so, And before we get into the, the potential trade targets that you mentioned in your article that you wrote earlier today, uh, I just wanted to start off by asking you about the impact of the deadline on some of these players, more so psychologically. Like, what kind of impact does that have, even for players who might not be in the rumor mill? Like, how does that affect the team leading up to the deadline? Well, in a lead-up, you know, players will generally say that they don't pay too much attention to it. I think that's the front-facing media message is, hey, I don't pay too much attention to that stuff. You'll hear that, you know, from from most players, and they they'll they'll point upstairs. They'll say that's you know not my pay grade. That'll be up to Chevy to decide what they can do. But I do think that players have opinions, sometimes strong opinions, and you know, a team like the one that Winnipeg has now would be vindicated in saying, well, you know what, the chemistry is really good. They're playing like a team. The connection is great. 
Uh, not everybody's always been healthy, but the results have been wonderful. You might not need to do anything major at the trade deadline, or there might be people in the room who are thinking to themselves, well, geez, we're looking at just over $5 million in cap space by deadline day. That's room to go shopping. Chevy's done that before. This is a great team. We should be making, you know, making pushes. And, you know, if you talk to those guys, there's a lot of fantasy GMs in, in, in any dressing room because they've got strong opinions as well. So I think all of that would be represented, if I had to guess, within the context of the Jets. Oh, we may have lost Jim Toth there. Sorry about that, Marat. But uh, you mentioned uh, that it could have an effect on the locker room as a whole, right? Like, you don't want to mess up that chemistry that the Jets have been building right now. But you also, you know that teams like Colorado, Dallas, they're going to be making some moves at the deadline. And one of the players that you mentioned is all has been linked to Colorado this year in Elias Lindholm. I mean, to me, that's that would be one of the best ads that the Jets can, could add this deadline, adding a guy who could be that number two center, be a high-end number two center, take some of those face-offs, win those draws. How likely do you think that maybe the Jets in Colorado get into a bit of a bidding war for Elias Lindholm? Yeah, that's an interesting one. I mean, Elias Lindholm would be, you know, as far as publicly available names, perhaps the top center on the market. Like you said, he wins face-offs. He has that impact. He's played some real big minutes for Calgary over the last several years. And it's been a long time since he was a point per game player, a few years now, but he's still quality at that spot. So I think the Colorados of the world, the Boston's of the world, teams that have maybe, now those are great teams that have done a lot of great things this year, but on paper, they have center needs. I could imagine those teams certainly making a big pitch uh, based on what I've heard, which isn't a comprehensive look at everything. I don't think there are a ton of centers of that quality likely to be available. So maybe there could be bidding wars when it comes to Lindholm in in particular and the idea of a bidding war. I wonder if that's not necessarily Winnipeg's speed, given just the quality that they've been able to put together without having that impact player added um, so far. Right. And, And they've only ever moved their first round pick twice, once for Paul Stasny and once for Kevin Hayes at the deadline. How likely do you see the Jets this year moving that first round pick prime assets? I mean, they had they do they did pick up an extra second in that Pierre Luc Dubois trade, so that maybe makes makes things a little bit more palatable. But how likely do you see Kevin Shevelday off partying with a first round pick to get a prime asset at the deadline? Yeah, I mean he's he's meeting with the, the pro scouting staff and the assistant GMs in in Florida right now, sort of trying to get the the lay of the land and, and making those estimates. I think that. What he's done a good job of at deadlines in, in recent seasons, basically from that Stastny trade to now, is doing a pretty good job of reading the room as to how good Winnipeg genuinely is. And the biggest splash that he made, I would say, would be that Stastny trade in 2018. Gave up a first, gave up a quality prospect, um, and, uh, and pulled a name out of a hat that a lot of people didn't see coming in Stastny at that time, who proved to be a great fit. And I think that was an accurate read that Winnipeg was a really good team with a, a genuine chance to go deep into the playoffs. Um, last year, I thought I, I caught myself like Jimmy was saying, wondering if they should do a little more. You know, would a Timo Meyer be of, of greater interest? And, you know, you, you look at the players that he did bring in in Niederreiter and Nemesnikov and the great fit that they've been. So they've, they've done a good job of reading the room. I think this is a legitimately great Winnipeg Jets team this season. I think they have cap space. So if they find the player that they believe in 
that has the quality, that has the impact. I don't think the first-round pick would be at all off the table. I do think that they'll be extremely conscientious of fit, maybe willing to, to pick more around the edges than going for the superstar. Yeah, it's going to be interesting heading up into the deadline. Uh, Murat, I believe we have Jim. Jim, do you want to, got anything to, for uh, Murat here? Yeah, sorry about that, guys. Um, the only thing I have to add, uh, Murad, and great stuff as always, just wondering about what you think, uh, how other teams are loaded. When when it comes down to what and if they're willing to do and what pieces they'd be like, that's interesting to me. But if they're going up against the Bostons and the Colorados and stuff, I think they're pretty full when it comes to picks and prospects compared to some of those other organizations they might be battling for certain pieces with at the trade deadline. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I, I think one of the things that I've noticed is uh, – and, you know, even that Pierre-Luc Dubois trade that brought back among Gabriel Velarde, Rasmus Kupari, and Alex Iafalo, it brought back Montreal's second-round pick. Um, there has been kind of almost a concerted effort in Winnipeg to restock the draft picks over the last few seasons because 2019, 2020, in that era, they had traded a lot of picks away at that point. So um, now that the, the, the cupboard of draft picks heading into the next few drafts is relatively full, one would think that it would be acceptable by management to, to start moving. And that does give them an advantage compared to some teams. And you look at, for example, like fit is everything fit, even in terms of asset is everything. Because I was just thinking now JT about the Dubois trade at all. We knew Montreal was really interested in Pierre-Luc Dubois, but they didn't have players. They were willing to part with. It was just a package of futures. Winnipeg couldn't make that work. Uh, Los Angeles came in and gave real quality players. So, you know, in terms of where the organization is at, what it needs and what it feels comfortable giving up, I think uh, has as much to do with things sometimes as the, the specific players involved. Yeah, Murat, just one more question for me. We're right up against the clock here, but I did want to get to this quickly. You mentioned two defensemen, right-handed defensemen in your article, Sean Walker and Chris Tanev. I just wonder, though, what's the likelihood of the Jets trading for a D-man considering the team's current logjam on defense. Yeah, it's interesting because they not only is there a logjam, but they've given up the fewest goals in the NHL. The numbers wouldn't say you got to add to this group or you have to really bolster it. Um, so I think Winnipeg might be more likely to shop for depth. Uh, Sean Walker, I talk, or Nathan Walker, pardon me, I talk about a little bit. Um, Chris Tanev, though. Uh, better than depth, certainly can play a top four role and be a shutdown, fierce, physical defender. I couldn't help but include him because he's got some organizational ties. He played for the Moose. His brother, Brandon, was a very popular player here, and he plays such a hard-nosed two-way game from that right side that he would be a unique player on the Jets roster if they were able to get him. I, I could just see the fit working well. You can read some of Marat's stuff on The Athletic, and you can listen to him right here on CJOB occasionally for the pregame. Marat, really appreciate you joining us today. Take care and stay warm, my man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We got to take a break, but quickly send us a text, 204-780-6868, and let us know who you want the Jets to target at the trade deadline. We'll be reading those and taking calls after the 1230 news, but when we come back, we'll let you know who's performing pregame at the Super Bowl. I'm Tyson Rowicki along with Jim Toth, and you're listening to Jets at Noon right here on 680 CJOB.